0: Hey guys, welcome to Devour, the podcast for the hungry entrepreneur. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Andy Starr, co-founder of the critically acclaimed branding program, Level C. And on today's podcast, we'll be talking about the changes in the online education space, his partnership with legend, Mr. Marty Neumeier, and his approach to business as an agency owner.
1: Our clients, no matter who they are, what they do, what space they're in, they're human beings. They need to hear certain things. As service providers, we're salesmen, but as brand professionals,
0: we should be counselors. Make sure you stick around to the end. Today's gonna be a juicy one. Hey guys, I'm here with Andy Starr this morning. And um, a little bit about Andy is uh, Andy helps clients outmaneuver competition and conditions in the market and makes marketing, advertising, PR, content, communications work better, land stronger and drive real results. Uh, Andy has over 17 years of experience in the agency world and in-house experience across multiple categories for clients in business, and has a special focus on non-for-profit, higher education, and you are equal parts Andy, strategist, creative, manager, and storyteller. That's quite a lot, but I love that. I think that's the interesting thing about you. Um, So you're a managing director and partner uh, and co-founder with international brand master, Mr. Marty Neumeier. And you live in a niche landscape uh, where education, business, and brands certainly coexist. Things that you focus on is brand strategy, content planning, identity design, positioning, messaging, copywriting, and fully integrated marketing plus campaign design. So there's a lot there, but I think that um, the interesting thing is you, you found a fantastic way to, to bridge all these worlds together. Some of my favorite quotes from you, uh, now you believe marketing is the push. And branding is the pull, strategy isn't the plan, it's the art of making an imagined future, become a real future. Um, and if it's not scary, it's not innovation. <laughs> so I love those quotes. Um, they're very, very strong and polarizing, but I think that's a beautiful thing about them. But Andy, I just wanna thank you so much for being here. I
1: really don't know how to, how to respond to such an awesome intro, but um, I've been looking forward to this. Me so too, fun. me too.
0: Awesome. Um, to kick things off, I think, you know, we have a lot of people um, that have certainly been asking you a lot of questions, I know, and, and uh, we met through the, the C-suite, which um, is a fantastic course on, um, you know, how to, how to develop branding and how to collaborate with like-minded creative people, which I got a tremendous amount of value out of, and I recommend anyone listening uh, go, go check that out. But um, w- there's a lot of questions around what's, what's changing right now in the, in the space of online education. You know, um, I see endless amounts of people on Clubhouse and, and YouTube and, and other platforms where there seems to be a lot of conversation about it. And especially with what's happening with COVID, people being at home, I think a lot of creatives have been making a lot of online courses. Um, but yeah, what, what's, what's your idea? And, and um, I guess, what are you seeing trending in the online education space right now? And What do you think is, is worth looking at um, if, if people are interested in either self-educating and the second part is if they wanna make their own education, what are two things that people should be aware of?
1: Well, one of the, one of the big things that, that I've noticed in, in the education space generally, but especially in online education, and especially in professional education online, okay, um, is there are a lot of opinions, but not a lot of ideas. Um, everyone has opinions of, about where things should go, how they should get there, what it should mean, what it should cost, um, how it can be measured, how it should be measured. Um, but not a lot of not a lot of groundbreaking ideas to pull the space forward from where it was before COVID, when it when it needed just as much help, just as much attention just as many fresh ideas as it does now, only now it's, it's, what, a year plus into COVID, and it doesn't seem like there's been much progress. It doesn't feel like there has. Now, I, I guess I would I would characterize that as, as maybe a negative, but there is a positive. One of the positives is people care more, or at least they sound like they care more about where education uh, is going, where it should go, where it could go. So that, that, is, a, that is a positive. That, that, that is something that, that can be built on. Um, I guess another thing that Marty and I have noticed is that there's, there's been a lot more noise made about, about what content should be what education content should be. Um, And one of the things that, one of the ways that impacts us is because we are not, uh, we're not so much uh, a template toolkit. uh, uh, We're not a template or toolkit based education business. We are more I guess academic in that we are more theoretical, right? So you took the class. We didn't really give you templates to use or a toolkit of stuff that you can kind of take and then apply to a given challenge. We gave you principles, right? We gave you some theory. Out of those theories came principles, those principles like we told you guys um we believe can be mastered and commanded and then used in any given situation right and and that that kind of puts us over on this side of things or in this corner of the sandbox whereas we have noticed that the general sandbox has become a little bit crowded with with educators or people who have kind of positioned themselves as experts in a given field or topic, and they, they focus more on templates, toolkits. You know, it could be a template for a creative brief. It could be a, a, a bullet list, like a checklist to run a, a discovery session or a checklist to create um, you know, a, a strategy uh, presentation. Those... Those are valuable. It's just not what we do. So we've noticed that that corner of the sandbox has gotten a little bit more crowded and that's fine. Um, But it's like, we're over here. And so if we kind of step out of the sandbox and we look at the sandbox from 80,000 feet, we don't know exactly where it's going. We're kind of as as in the dark as everyone else. What we're trying to do is we're trying to say, wherever the landscape kind of ends up on the other side of COVID, whether that's three months from now, you know, three years from now, who knows, when the dust settles, when the landscape kind of settles down and people can kind of take stock, we want to be able to say, this is who we are, this is what we're doing, this is what we stand for, this is why we think it's valuable. We don't claim, we will never make the claim that what we do, the way we do it is superior, better, or more valuable. It's just different. And that's, that's kind of, that's the interesting thing about education as a space, education as, as a pursuit. It's so nuanced and complicated and layered, right? There's a place for theory. There's a place for templates. There's a place for strategy. There's a place for tactics and execution, right? There are different ways to deliver, just as like, just as there are different ways that people learn, okay? Um, And the last thing I'll say, and then I'll shut up, is- Now keep going, this is good, yeah. Well, well, what I would say is, you know, if we use the last year as an example, we started Level C as a live, in-class, in-person, face-to-face kind of experiential learning platform and we did that because Marty and I believe it's our philosophy um, that in-person learning is better particularly for people who learn better in person um, than online we we didn't want to we didn't want to uh, uh, um, we actually really didn't quite know how either we didn't know how to deliver our content and our approach in this kind of two-dimensional format. And we wanted to make this more experiential. And so we started everything live. COVID hit, we couldn't do that. And we struggled, We, we took two or three or four months talking and designing and prototyping and trying to figure out what our online education would look like could look like, how it would be delivered, how it would be measured, right? How we could measure learning, how we can measure satisfaction. Um, Could we design it in a way that was flexible, that gave us room to to pivot, depending on how long this whole thing lasted? Um, But it wasn't our preference. It's still not our preference. Mm. Um, But that being said, we've learned, and we were reminded that everyone learns a little differently, right? Some people learn better online at their own speeds. Some people learn better in a group. Some people learn live, learn better live. Some people learn better solo. Some people learn better in a cohort setting. And so we've been reminded that the landscape is always going to be complicated and nuanced. And we can try to be as many things for as many people as we can or as we've learned, and as we've kind of decided, we know what we're going to stand for. We know how we're going to stand for it. And we know who we're going to be there to serve. And it won't be everyone, but that's okay because the landscape has become flooded enough that if you're looking for something, if you're looking to learn something, a topic from a person in a format, you can find it. Mm. And that, at the end of the day for us, is the most important thing because we believe in the power of education, the value of education, the importance of education. And as long as education is being served and provided, we can be happy with that and we can be happy with our tiny little sliver of <laughs> of the space.
0: Yeah, great answer and, and a lot of really good points there and and um, I'm certainly going to go back and watch this watch this recording and write a few yeah, things yeah. down, but I, I love that I love a few statements you know one which is you know in the sandbox right now there's a lot of people trying to copy one another there's a lot of people trying to duplicate this whole you know checklist steps to success you know uh, oriented um, education and one thing I found interesting is I was reading a little bit about Socrates and um, how they would conduct uh, their academia and their teaching and it was more around the, the the premise of asking questions and forcing the um, the viewers, if you will, to collaborate with one another to problem solve, and that's that's how I felt going through the C suite, where you you guys pretty much put a challenge out and you give us a few frameworks and a few methods. Um, to, to problem solve, you essentially hand us a puzzle and go, go figure this out, come back and present something and we'll critique it. Um, which was interesting because, you know, we learned a lot from taking a group of creatives that have very different backgrounds from, you know, one person was in Japan, another person was in Texas and we're in Australia. We're trying to collaborate on, on a challenge. Um, I learned a lot from that. And I think, you know, people are certainly hungry for just give me the five tips but there's so much more value in collaboration. There's so much more value, I think, in, in, um, trying to figure out how can we educate people with tools so that they, when they finish the course or the program, they can actually navigate themselves. You know, we've, that's, them, the, whole hey, yeah, that's the whole
1: point. Yeah. Teaching people
0: how to think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And did you and, want to add and, to that? Cause I think there's, there's so much, there's so much, uh, there's so much value here because I think that that's, that's the one X factor that I found about your course because I've done a lot of courses. Yeah. And the one thing I loved about what you and uh, Marty did was, yeah, it was so interactive and collaborative.
1: And, and well, the first thing I would say is I'm really glad you brought up what's, what's known as the Socratic method, mm. right? And the Socratic method is that, that, that process of teaching through questions, Right. Not giving you the answers, but helping you think ahead, right? Mm. Think about the bigger picture. So um, I'm a recovering law school student. I'm not a lawyer (laughs) by trade, but I was in law school once upon a time. and, And law school is built on the Socratic method. So, you know, and when I met Marty and we were talking about what should this whole thing look like, I was able to bring influence to education, to educational influences. I was able to bring the Socratic method that I experienced in law school and that I also experienced growing up with a father who was a brilliant attorney and he thought like a lawyer. Um, And the second influence was my own uh, uh, college experience at a liberal arts institution, right? I didn't go to a trade school. Um, I didn't go to an art school. I went to a liberal arts college and the so the liberal arts a liberal arts education teaches you how to think critically and analytically that's that's what a liberal arts education is based on uh this a socratic education a law, a, a legal education uh teaches you not how to be a lawyer but teaches you how to think like a lawyer and so those were my two kind of broad influences and when Marty and I sat down and were talking about, you know, and, and even just thinking about how to approach the design of this whole thing, those were my influences, and I was able to bring those to the table. And I made very impassioned arguments in favor of structuring this loosely through those influences. Okay, um, because I, I, I believe for myself. I believe through my experience that they, are, they can be extremely valuable and powerful. And in a way, there would be a little bit of shock value for a, a, a percentage of our student audience, more, more creative, right, who may not have experienced that kind of, of educational approach, right? And I think that there's, a, there's a strong argument, there's a strong case to be made for kind of like shocking you, right? Breaking you down and then building you back up from, from this approach. It's not for everyone. And we've we've met some resistance. We've had questions like, why can't you just tell me how to do branding, how to make my branding better? That's just not our jam. And and for me, you know, I get to work with the guy who who wrote the books, who is arguably the, if not one of the, uh, um, like the experts, like the guy, like you, you, you put a period at the end of his name and it's full stop, right? And I was, I believed that if we were going to teach, if, if the guy who wrote the book, giving the definition for this thing this business art, if he's going to be leading this, there would be more value, more more runway, right? To helping our audiences learn to think like he does, not to do what he does, Mm. right? Like, and I've told him, I've said to Marty, I don't want to be the next Marty Neumeier. I wanna be Andy Starr, who becomes the next Andy Starr, who knows how to think like Marty Newmeyer. And I believe that that's one of the reasons why I get to do this with him, that I've been able to carve my way and end up being the master's partner, right? I'm. I'm convinced the only way I was able to do that was because I focused on trying to figure out how Marty thinks, not how Marty does what he's done. Mm. And, and I said, that's what we should be giving everyone. That's what we should be offering because then they can take it and make it their own. Right. And not for nothing, if you want to talk about tactics for just a second, it's what lets our students, it's what lets all of us kind of move from client to client, challenge to challenge, category to category, right? And deliver tailored custom solutions, right? If you're trying to take a template, right? And apply it to every single client, every single situation, you're limited by the template. Mm. Whereas if you're able to be flexible, if you're able to take the, the, the principles and command them in a way, that lets you go deeper with each client, depending on what the situation is, who they are, what they work in, um, that's more valuable. And then what does that mean for tactics? Well, the tactics become tailor-made rather than templated, taken, taken off a, a shelf of solutions that you've been throwing at client after client after client. Um, and so that's our jam, that's, 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 what, that's what we're doing.
0: And I, and I love it. And, um, you know, and, and Marty is such an interesting character. And and for those that um, haven't heard of Marty, um, you know, he's worked with, you know, the greats. He's worked with Steve Jobs. He's worked with Apple. He's worked with Hewlett Packard. He's worked with huge companies. Um, and he has a legacy that I think the, the world should know about. Um, i got to ask you, Andy, and before I, I guess I have a few questions about what you just brought up, a few things there. But how did, how did you meet Marty? Like, how did you guys, how did those worlds collide? I got to know.
1: Uh, it, it's, it's a long kind of weird story, but, but the long and the short of it is, I knew who he was um, for, I've known who he was for a while. I read The Brand Gap, I think back in 2009, mm. and uh, I, it changed my thinking, it changed my whole like a, a approach to business in the world. Um, it's mm-hmm. what drove me to like get out of law school, right? I was like, I want to go, I want to do this. And... When I read it, I like stalked him online. I found out who he was, where he was. I, I got his email and I reached out like so many people do. And I was just like, you know, read your book, changed my life. I, I, I want to get into this business. Would you consider mentoring me from afar? And he basically wrote back and said, I'm too busy, you know, <laughs> piss off. Yeah. But, but, but I kept at him. And over the years, I would send him random emails saying, hey, remember me? I'm that guy. Uh, this is what I'm doing, uh, you know, I, I took your, 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 this concept or that concept and made it my own and, and this was the result, what do you think? And eventually he would kind of respond and say, you know, good job, really cool, keep at it, you know, kind of, kind of boxed responses, right? <laughs> and, and a few years ago, I, I left the agency world, I got tired of it and I, uh, I joined a startup that was in this really interesting space. They, they were in the event meeting space business, kind of similar to WeWork, right, but, but smaller. And they were looking to evolve their business model and rebrand themselves. And one of the ideas that we came up with was to use their meeting corporate space for uh, professional education workshops, right? Like you find an expert, leads a workshop, and do that, but with a twist. We would kind of pair, pair those experts with a local business school. And the business school would underwrite the workshop and give MBA credit for certain workshops. And that was different. That was kind of, that was, there was an onlyness about it. And we approached a local business school and they agreed to kind of pilot this program with us. And we met with the dean, the dean said, great, go ahead. And we were walking out the door and the dean said, by the way, what's the first workshop and who's the expert? And we had no idea. And I kind of turned and, and off the top of my head, I said, uh, well, what if we did a branding workshop? There's this guy who wrote this book in brand. <laughs> and he said, great. And so then all of a sudden I had to email Marty and I had to kind of pitch this idea to him. And so I sent this email. I, pitched it in the email. And I said, if I could have 20 minutes of your time, I'd love to talk to you. And he wrote back like 10 minutes later, and he was like, this is one of the best ideas anyone has ever come to me with. I really would like to talk to you about it. And we set up a 30 minute Skype, and it was like a two hour thing. And that's, that was kind of the start of it. He flew, uh, he flew to meet me and my team at the time. That was the first time I got to meet him and it was just so great. I was geeking out the whole time. And eventually the startup went in a different direction they, they, and they weren't funded properly. So I left and, but Marty and I kept in touch. And one, one time he, he basically said, if they can't do it, if they don't want to do it, why don't you and I try this? Cause I think it's a great idea. I said, okay. And he invited me to his home in Santa Barbara. He said, come on out, we'll lock ourselves in my studio for a few days and just see what we come up with. And I said, okay, and that's exactly what we did. And that's how this whole thing came about. It was really kind of accidental. Um, but I had this idea, he was the perfect fit. He was the one
0: I wanted to do it with. And here we are, so. So, so interesting, it, it, there's like a bit of serendipity in there. and and. Photo, um, photo yeah like uh there's there's a quote i can't remember who wrote it I, I read it last week and it was um i think it was like in the in the early 90s the richest man in the world at that time he wrote that in business um more often than not uh it's to do with serendipity that's that's success in business and i was like that's what you know the richest think- guy in the world said that and I, I thought that was interesting i'll um i'll put it in the bio when it, when i upload this when i find it yeah. but but um, Andy, like, I think this is so interesting because your background is, um, you know, in, in law school. And I, I certainly think that you have that academic scholarly um, background, which is really interesting. And then, you know, it sounds like you went into, um, spent quite a substantial amount of time in the agency world. And during that period, you were in contact uh, with, with Marty. But are you saying that you read the brand gap and that that trajectory you to, to take that new path like that? Yes. Okay, yeah. what 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 interested you in that book and and what happened immediately after that? I'm just curious. So
1: to to frame it my my career trajectory has very simply been I worked in corporate finance for the mm. first half of my career. Law school was kind of like a transition thing. And then going into branding and and the ad agency world that was kind of like, that's career part two, okay? And so when I read The Brand Gap, I was coming off of, you know, seven, eight years of finance and law school. And the, the first, there were, there, were, <clears throat> there were two things that, that he wrote that just changed my entire, really my entire life. The first was his definition of brand. It's not what you say it is, it's what the customer says it is. That colored my entire thinking from having my own clients and my own customers in in corporate finance. And, And then the second, really the second bigger thing was what he calls the focus test, right? Asking three questions, who are you, what do you do, why does it matter, okay? And I don't remember exactly what it was about that, but it just—it was so provocative from a sales perspective, a marketing perspective, a business ownership perspective, managing clients, right? It, it, was, it was just so provocative. I still feel that way. I still feel that asking that one question, why should I care about what your company does, what you're selling, what your brand... That one question that is brand mm. that is where the brand comes from and and it 's interesting I yeah,
0: just just to jump in here just for a moment, yeah. like you know um, we 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 run an agency and we we have a lot of clientele it 's so fun to ask that question it 's my favorite question you know we 'll be working with a client they 'll be confident. They'll, they'll be like giving us insights of their, you know, their company values and what they stand for and stuff. And as soon as you ask that question, like why should people care? They just, they just unravel, they fall apart. Yeah. And it's really yeah. fun to ask that question. I,
1: it's, I, I'm right there with you. It's my favorite <laughs> question. And, and I was asking that r- right from the start. Mm. And what I loved about it was it put me in this very powerful position of being a counselor to a client, okay? Um, I didn't care so much about how things were designed, how things looked. I'm not a designer at at all. Um, I can barely draw a stick figure, Um, but being a counselor and helping a client from a much higher level of ownership and management, right? that that was my jam that's what i got off on i was really good at it i'm still very good at it and Mm -hmm. um when i when i realized that that businesses needed more than just financing right because when i worked in finance that was the focus right um when i started looking at business through that marketing, advertising, communications, brand lens, it just was more interesting. It's sexier. Mm. Finance, fi- finance is is boring as shit. No offense to all the uh, <laughs> your finance uh, audience, but but oh, it was oh, boring. I hope
0: they take offense. I do.
1: This <laughs> <laughs> <It's> the truth, <laughs> but, man. But yeah, but yeah, but I had that background. So talking yeah. to talking to clients, talking to advertising, marketing, brand clients, yeah, um, about that aspect of it, but being able to talk about finance and being able to frame brand through the lens of finance, that made me stand out. I didn't have a portfolio. I didn't have a book, right? Um, but I could talk to agency clients in ways that a lot of the ag- other agency people just couldn't.
0: Mm. What, and, what were some of those things that, um, and this is really interesting because you know we, we have a lot of people, uh, that would likely be listening to this. That that study branding and and through the lens of design, and I think looking at branding through the financial um, perspective, I think that's really important. And I think a lot of people miss that, especially when they're trying to, you know, a company's like, oh, let's revamp our logo and do these color palettes and all that stuff, which is really fantastic. Uh, what are some things that you like to, I guess, poke or prod at to help help the the client you're working with understand? the implication that branding has on their finances and it has on their, their way they spend money. What are some things so it, that you look for there?
1: It, it kind of, it kind of depends on the client, right? Mm-hmm. You know, cause a university client is going to be, uh, is going to have a much different financial structure and, and, and mentality about finances than, say, um, uh, uh, uh oh, a, a company that just sells a product, a widget, right? A thing. Mm. But, you know, I'll, if, if so if I'm talking to, for example, if I'm talking to a university client, I'll ask questions about their endowment. I'll, I'll ask questions about, you know, how their endowment has trended. I'll ask about um, uh, uh, their, you know, tuition costs. I'll ask about, you know, revenue from tuition, revenue from, uh, you know, state grants. I'll ask about, you know, what percentage of their tuition costs are they discounting? You know, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll communicate that I can talk about those things and then I can bring it back to brand and what I can, in in that example, I can say, well, if you're, if you're discounting your tuition price by 45%, which is a lot to discount, right? Mm. That tells me a few things, not least of which you're probably not, you're probably casting like the widest net, just to get as many students in your funnel as possible, not caring about their backgrounds, not caring about what percentage of them need financial assistance versus uh, what percentage come from socioeconomic backgrounds that make it more likely they can pay the full tuition price, right? And so, in that, then I can say, well, through the lens of brand, we can kind of redesign your priority student, right? Your primary, you know best case student right and Mm. then we can design that student to look like someone who comes from a certain kind of background more likely to uh uh, be able to afford the full sticker price and 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 do things like that
0: would you you say yeah is it like marrying i guess the the psychographics and 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 i guess the target of 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 whom you would like to appeal to through branding and and the implication of that is you know a, a good upside with with profitability. Is that the, the kind of connection um, that you're speaking about here? Is there more to it?
1: Yeah. Yes, it, it is. But even kind of more than that, hmm. I want my client to listen to me. Yeah. Especially when I talk about brand, hmm. right? Because brand is a little bit more abstract, no matter how you phrase it. It's abstract. Finances are not. Dollars, revenue are not. Costs are not. So at least for me, I can use that background, my experience a vocabulary when I remember it um, <laughs> to, to earn my client's trust, right? Yeah. Make them feel like I can speak their language. I can address their big headaches because there's that, there's that question I always like to ask, not just why should I care about what you do, but even before that, I'll ask what's keeping you up at night? across the board what is keeping you up at night so something financial is always going to be on there whether it's cost overhead um you know uh, uh, concerns or second second guessing uh their their approach to pricing right so i want to earn their trust and confidence that way when we really dig into brand things that are more abstract uh they're more likely to trust me wow. and to trust my guidance right mm. and that's, that's simply about client management.
0: Yeah, because I guess clients are coming to you, most cases from a position of, hey, you know, we understand that we want to make more money. <clears throat> we understand that branding is a problem and they understand that maybe fixing their branding might result in, in being more profitable. And, and I think you approaching it from a business perspective speaks their language more than speaking from Ab- a design perspective. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: And it yeah. also lets me reinforce the idea that if we're talking about brand, we're talking about long term value. We're talking mm. about long term uptick. We're not talking about the short term, you know, campaign driven, you know, sales spike from a marketing campaign, you know, or, you know, we're not looking at three months, we're looking at three years. We're not looking at 12 months, we're looking at 20 years, right? That's when that's talking about brand, okay? So it's, we're in the psychology business. Mm. Like that. That's that's what we're in. That's the space we're in. And our clients, no matter who they are, what they do, what space they're in, they're human beings, right? So they have their own shit, right? They have. uh, They need to hear certain things, and as service providers, we're salesmen, but as brand professionals, we should be counselors. Wow. To yes. help, make, help our clients make the best decisions, not give them the best logo, the best website, the best swag. That's not, that should not be our mission. Mm. Okay? Our mission should be to help our clients make the best decisions to help their business and their brand go from point A to point B. Yeah. Okay. And, and by the way, that is not strategy. Strategy is something completely different, okay? So, Mm -hmm. but that's, it's nuanced enough where I can only, I, I wanna do what I'm good at. I don't wanna try to do things that I'm not good at. For example, I'm not good at marketing. I'm not a marketer. I don't think like a marketer. I'm bored by marketing. It's uninteresting to me. I wish that were different. I wish I were like all about marketing because, Level C would probably be way bigger, way more profitable than it already is, but I'm not. And I kind of accept at this point, like that's not what I'm good at, so I don't want to tackle it. I don't want to get involved, right? Mm. But I can do things that other people can So, um, and that's why bringing this back around, this is why we really talk about brand as a collaborative thing, mm. right? When you have the best team together, you're unstoppable. You know, it's like you can just, you can make your agency, your team, just the juggernaut of your space. Nothing will stop you, okay? Yeah. And, and, Marty and Marty and I are a great example of that. He does things that I can't do or I don't want to do, just like I can do things that he doesn't or can't do, mm. right? And together, we're, we're pretty good. We're pretty good.
0: I would, I would, yeah, I would echo that you guys are fantastic together. I, I really had a lot of fun. And, um, you know, the, the best part about like to go back to the course, you know, is, is that, um, yeah, the collaboration was really interesting because it created a lot of problems and the biggest problems were like, man, I have to, I have to collaborate with these six people. Um, I have my opinions, but I can't sketch them out unless I can get everyone here on board. Um, which is interesting because that's, that's the challenge you face with a client. Like when we, when we talk to a client, we have the exact same problems. Mm-hmm. So not until I reflected after the course, I was like, wow, like, you know, I had to, you know, um, bring up an idea, pitch it to six people, get them on board, get them to understand the concept and want to execute it. That, that set, I think for me, that was the greatest takeaway. Cause then when I went and talked to the clients the next day, I felt a bit savvier. I felt a bit smarter. I felt like I could, I could handle it a bit better. I felt more confident. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that was unspoken in the course, but that was something I picked up. And, and something interesting that you said, which was, you know, you read The Brand Gap and that changed your life. Mm-hmm. That was the book that, that, that took me down this route. So we share that in common. I remember, um, you know, I wanted to start a, a marketing company and I wanted to do advertising and I wanted to run ads and do SEO and build websites. And then I read The Brand Gap. And I just remember just, just it just demystified, you know, um, creative thinking for me. And I was like, that's what I wanna do. Like, this is awesome. Like taking creative thinking and helping mm-hmm. business owners, not through an analytical lens, but helping them through um, getting them out of that analytical lens and into a creative lens mm-hmm. to then full circle that back to how, how the creative will impact their business logistically anyway. Um, it's almost a missing piece if you will which is that creative thinking so I think it's really interesting that we both read the same book and that both sent us down a completely new path Um, so you could you could you could argue that that book is quite disruptive (laughs) it's it's incredibly disruptive
1: and we are not the only ones who can claim that right I mean like there are just so many people that would say the same thing and that's why it's extra special for me to 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 call the the author of that book
0: you know Mm. a
1: partner a mentor a friend like you know, he's kind of like become my surrogate dad. So, um, you no, know, it's yeah. it's it's really cool. It's very very cool.
0: What would you say that the biggest um, lesson from you know reading his content, and being a fan for, for many years, mm-hmm. and then I guess yeah, crossing the chasm into you know being mentored by by that person that you looked up to and admired for so long? Uh, were there some were there some shock moments? Were there some some things that you were like, wow, okay, like I'm picking up things that I didn't even know about, or like. Maybe Marty added a new meaning to something that you hadn't yet picked up.
1: Uh, all, all of the above. Um, a couple of things that stand out. He, he, I've said this before. He is, uh, he is so refreshingly honest mm. and direct, especially when it comes to evaluating work, evaluating the quality of design. Um, and it's funny because even though I'm not a designer, I... I I don't think I'm completely without some sense of taste when it comes to design, right? And we jo- I, we joke together because I'll tell him, at the end of the day, an, a, a designer's opinion or evaluation of design is just, uh, it's just a fucking opinion. Sorry for the language, but like he, his, t- his sense of taste and the way he, he evaluates design, to me is extremely sophisticated, elegant, tasteful, um, but refreshingly brutal, right? Brutally honest. And whether, that, whether he's evaluating anything I'm making. And in the beginning, a lot of what I was doing with us was a lot of writing, and he has his his kind of voice and his tone, and and he would really critique my writing. Um, That was kind of a shock. And then as I started to do some kind of design oriented things for us, uh, that's where he really kind of stepped up and said, no, this is how you should think about this. This is how you can look at Typography, spacing, you know, uh, uh, kerning, letting, uh, all, all that stuff that I didn't have a background in. And he's really good at teaching how to think and look at things like that. Really good. And we never wanted Level C to kind of become like a design course, but we are going to be doing workshops that will focus on. Kind of niche topics like we'll do typography workshops, we'll do logo design workshops. We will do, um, you know, I don't know if we'll do color or theory workshops, but we will do things like that because he's so good at teaching them, and he has his he has his principles, he has his his sense of style. Um, but I don't think many people could argue with them, and they'll be valuable to people. So his his honesty is is one thing. Um, he is also so intellectually curious. He reads more than almost anyone I know. The only person I know who reads more than Marty was my father. And so his intellectual curiosity and the way he's able to kind of organize what he reads, what he learns, what he thinks in a way that just makes, makes all of that information accessible for him is, crazy. And I think that's another thing that makes him so good at what he does and allows him to think about these concepts the way he does, which lets him frame them for the rest of us the way he does. And so so that intellectual curiosity is important because it's what we look for. It's what we hope for in our students. When we tell them, we don't teach you how to do branding. We teach you how to think about brand, right? We're hoping that we get a reaction like, oh my God, that's awesome. Instead of getting this whole, I don't want to think, I just want to know how to do. So give me, give me that checklist, give me that template, give me that toolkit.
0: Yeah, and well, I think maybe the challenge there as well is, you know, we've been so programmed by like schools, society, yeah. you know, that, that um, you know, it, it almost seems that the whole world wants to be told what to do right now. And mm-hmm. I think certainly what the world needs, and you nailed it, is people need to start learning how to think. And and um, yes. that was the huge, biggest revelation for me. You mm-hmm. know, and, and I gotta be honest, you know, we do a weekly call with we, we have students come on and we we educate mm-hmm. them on branding and and um, marketing and sales and and um, we we change our whole format once we did once I did your course I was wow. I had this huge revelation. I'm like, okay, like we're telling everyone what to do every week. It's nowhere near as impactful as teaching them how to think every week. And it's wow. been more difficult. Uh, I'll be honest with you, Andy. It's a lot more difficult to, to teach that way. And mm-hmm. um, what, what are some things that you would, uh, you would say that would help someone to come up with resources? Let's just say, you know, um, someone wanted to start a course or they're passionate about something and they want to they share it with the world. What, what are some ways that people can um, apply themselves to creating how to think content or how to think resources? Is there any methodology or frameworks behind that? I I'm afraid I can't I'm afraid I can't see that they, that there
1: are but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that there aren't it, that may mean that I'm not aware of them or that I don't even know how to think about it that way I, I can think about I can think about it through the lens of what what we're doing and how we've put it together and the first thing I would say is it's important to recognize and, and be clear about and accept what you know versus what you don't know. Okay? Like so for example, I I'm not an expert in anything. I accept that I recognize that. I'm a musician, I'm a drummer. I know my 13 drumming rudiments. I think I know them really really well. I think I play them really well, really well, and I'm pretty sure based on my personality, my experience in teaching and coaching, I would be I would be very good at teaching someone how to learn to play the drums by those rudiments because I have an, a strong enough command of them, mm. okay? I know that. I couldn't do that with anything else in drums. Okay. I couldn't. Mm. I wouldn't wanna try. <laughs> so, so the first thing is to kind of recognize, accept, um, and own your expertise, right? One of the things looking at the landscape, or especially over the last year plus, is that there is a very clear difference now, whether you, it, it, you can look at someone's content on Instagram, Twitter, you know, you can look at visual media, you can go on Clubhouse, you can go from room to room, listening to the people or who are hosting the room up on the stage talking, you, it's much easier now to get a sense of the difference between celebrities and expertise. (laughs) There's a really big difference. One of the challenges is that sometimes people don't realize that there's a difference and that they don't know how to listen or evaluate evaluate the, the substance of the content to make that determination for themselves. But for those in your audience who are able to acknowledge and and own that they are an expert in something, that they have a strong enough command of something that Mm. they can realistically, uh, uh, practically, accessibly share with others, and accessibility is a key word, make your content Make your knowledge, your approach, your methods, whatever you have to share, make it accessible. Okay, and accessibility can include simplicity, right? Taking a really complicated topic or thing and distilling it down to its essence, its its most simplistic form. That's accessibility. Okay, uh, uh, and and that that can that can have implications for a whole other set of qualities about the content, right? Duration, length, um, style, uh, evaluation for being able to evaluate are you actually being successful in sharing your knowledge and having your audience get it, right? One of the things that we've been asking people lately and we get asked ourselves is why do so many people bounce from brand strategy course to brand strategy course to brand strategy clubhouse chat to brand strategy course to brand strategy deck to brand strategy book, right? Is it because you're looking, because you don't feel like you, is it because people don't feel like they have a strong enough command because the people who are teaching or sharing just haven't broken through like, is, 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 Is it just not accessible enough? Is it not simple enough? Is it just does it not make any sense? Well, there are a lot of brand strategy courses and books and lectures and stuff being led by people who don't know what they're talking about. They think they do. That's okay. It's okay if they think they do. But if they're going to share the knowledge, they have an obligation and a responsibility to know that they do okay so it's it's not so much a, a particular method or framework for sharing it someone who knows what they're talking about someone who actually is uh, an expert uh, you know in command of whatever their thing is that they want to share they'll know how to share it that's the thing
0: i agree yeah so it's almost as if <clears throat> if someone is is feverishly obsessed with um their field of expertise mm-hmm. you know that by by nature they will find a way to to present that to mm-hmm. people on, on how they can execute it. and that's a really really good answer i think andy you've, you've covered that really really well and and um yeah i certainly appreciate that perspective because i think that right now especially with what's going on with the online space <clears throat> there are a lot of brand strategy courses out there and, Mm -hmm. and, and other industries as well. Like I'm looking at like, you know, clubhouse to me just feels like it's just nonstop life coaches. (laughs) Um, You know, and, and I think the landscape is shifting a lot right now in in, in education. And you're right. When I go into clubhouse, you can very quickly tell if someone's a real deal or if they're just, they're just winging it. just trying to figure it out as, as, as they're going. Um, Yeah. That's really good answers. Now, Andy, you know, what, what do you like and and i'm excited for those new courses i'll be the first one to sign up for the design course the typography course any course that marty drops i'm there you know i'm a huge fan um what what do you think from your perspective is um in in the the hemisphere of branding right now like who do you think are the innovators who do you think are the the pioneers right now in 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 any industry who do you think is really really taking risks and, and pushing it uh the world into a new place
1: um it's that's always that's always like the hardest question for me to answer i i my brain always goes to kind of the same brands who i think have been killing it for the past several years one of one of my favorite brands honestly is warby parker uh for a couple of reasons first i what I love about Warby Parker is they just they went against the proverbial landscape grain right when everyone was saying that brick and mortar was dying and everything was going online. These are the guys who started online and were like, "No, no, no we we can and we should be brick and mortar and here 's how we 're going to do it and here 's how we 're going to do it differently from every other like eyeglass shop out there right and they prioritized a really elegant blend of online e-commerce and brick and mortar. And they've gr- the way they've grown without losing who they are, without really having to change much, right? Because they were so innovative at the beginning, but that innovation was, if you think about it, so simple. It really was simple. It wasn't overly complicated. And, that's why everyone loves them.
0: And, and for, the, for the international listeners, like, could you, I guess, describe perhaps what those things are that they did that were so innovative, especially in such a disruptive time?
1: Well, for, again, from 80,000 feet, they were, uh, Warby Parker is an eyeglass brand. They, they make, they sell eyeglasses, sunglasses, super stylish, different kinds of styles. Um, they were an online eyeglass retailer. Right. You couldn't go into the store and kind of casually browse and take lenses off the shelf, try them on, look in the mirror. Right. And then you find the one that you want and kind of go from there. It was all online. That's that's kind of antithetical. Right. That's eyeglasses are one of those things that people don't kind of buy off the rack unless they're just buying, you know, a a set of readers or something in a pharmacy. Um, When it comes to an expensive pair of glasses, you want to try it on. Right. It's an investment. They, so they were selling expensive looking glasses uh, for not expensive prices online only, but it just exploded. The, the quality of the product is solid. The price point was very competitive and the overall customer experience online only was seamless. And so they basically just brought that into brick and mortar at a time when, when everyone was saying brick and mortar is dying. So any, any brand looking to kind of break into brick and mortar now is insane, but they did it. They designed these relatively small footprint stores. They're beautiful in-store retail experiences. And they kind of blended the traditional eyeglass store model where they have, they have their glasses on shelves with the speed, the convenience, the efficiency of technology, right? So all of their um, associates are walking, around, are walking around with iPads. They can bring up your information. If, if you bought from them before, your, your prescription is saved, right? They can, you know, you can pick your glasses. You can customize them. You can, you know, check out in a minute, right? Everything is delivered to, to you, right? And, now, you can like order five glasses on, on their website, have them delivered to your house for free, try them on. If you don't like them, you can just return them, right? And so, again, all really, really simple, but they kept their focus, right? That's 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 the magic F word that we talk about in our first level class, focus. They never lost focus. And they fo- their focus has been on execution, right? and part of their execution is quality, they crush it. I I love Warby Parker. And and I've told my clients over the last few years, you know, I'll ask them, if you could be any brand in your category, what brand would you want to be? And most clients will say, I want to be the apple of what we do, or I want to be the the, the virgin of what we do. I'll tell them now, you should want to be like the Warby Parker of what you do.
0: yeah it feels very consumer centric like everything is about simplicity for the client to Mm -hmm. choose the best possible result and to not inconvenience them at all and it sounds to me like it's that famous story of blockbuster right you know they they started trying to make money on the late fees which is massively inconvenient for their users Mm -hmm. and then netflix comes along and just says we'll send it to your house you send it back and we'll send you some more and and there's no late fees you know uh It it feels like
1: that. Netflix is another brand. And I know that might be cliched and people ask me, why do you like Netflix? Netflix, Netflix figured out and built their entire brand on something so fundamentally simple, Mm. but no one was paying attention to it. Mm. They built their brand on the idea that we are bingers. We are impatient. As human beings, we are impatient. We don't want to watch things week to week or month to month. Give it to all of us now. Yeah. We want to indulge ourselves. We, we will binge an entire seven-season series of a show in a weekend at the expense of our kids, <laughs> at the expense of hours, at the expense of food, right? Yeah. They realized that and they built their entire brand on that the brand we know as netflix today that's what it's built on so i don't i don't care what anyone says about them or really what they're doing it's it's still genius and I, I just read today that they're i guess they're thinking about getting into gaming and i know that there have been kind of game stream platforms right or like brands where you can you know you can buy a script subscription and you get you'll get like three or five games a month that you can like kind of rent and then you send back um if netflix gets into gaming and it works just genius brilliant so i love brands that figure out things like that that's that's what i that's what i pay attention to
0: yeah they 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 grab a pocket that no one's watching and they exploit it and uh, feel like their strategy Your
1: strategy is to, is you use the word at the beginning and we talk about it in level two, outmaneuver. Mm. That's what strategy is. Strategy is, it's not going from point A to point B. It's not asking a list of questions, right? Strategy is simply outmaneuvering your competitors and or the conditions in your market or in your client's market. That's strategy. So look at what Warby Parker did. Look at what Netflix did. Uh, look at what Amazon did to the bookstore category. Once upon a time, right? There used to be all these bookstores: Barnes and Noble, Borders bookstores, small independent bookstores. Amazon was just like, no, we're just going to outmaneuver all of that and create this limitless online, cheaper option bookstore online. That's what. That's what amazon started as
0: yeah i think i think you know like and and listening to jeff as well it was interesting where he um you know initially was selling books cds dvds mm-hmm. and then um there's a famous story where he sent out a thousand emails to his clients and said what else would you like me to sell and mm-hmm. he said everyone sent back a list of everything you know he yep. said one person said windshield wipers and he, he was like really? Like I could sell anything. And it's so interesting that he noticed that, you know, there wasn't a Walmart online. So he, he, he outmaneuvered Walmart and boom, That's right. you know, billionaire now is sending uh, rockets to the moon. <laughs> yep. uh, yeah. It, yeah,
1: yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, you could point to, you can point to the obvious um, innovators. You know, you could point to Howard Schultz at Starbucks. You could point to Richard Branson. You could point to Elon Musk. Um, you could point to Steve Jobs. Um, they all did the exact same thing. They outmaneuvered all of the competitors in their space. Then they outmaneuvered their, their space, and then they were able to redefine their space, and in doing that, they owned their space.
0: Mm. Yeah, and and now they just they pioneer. They just they just rule rule sectors. They rule that's, the world.
1: That's, that's, they rule the awesome. world. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, awesome. yeah, That's
1: that's what we like. That's what, those are the brands that I like to look at.
0: I love that, Andy, and I feel like that's a that's a nice bow in in, in today's you know. Um, discussion about creative thinking, maneuvering, branding, you know, and and pushing, pushing, um, I guess, people into innovation and and to new spaces. Mm -hmm. Uh, Andy, if, if you would like to, you know, take this opportunity to, to, to plug something and, and to, um, leave some last thoughts with the audience, please do. And, uh, but yeah, sincerely, I, I really appreciate you. And this has been a fantastic conversation. Thanks for being here.
1: Well, I thank you for this conversation. I agree. It's, this has been great. I love conversations like this. Um, as the world's worst marketer, I'm, I hate plugging things, but here's what I will say. Um, for those in your audience who even have a sense of brand's value, right? Value to the company, right? Value to the market, but really also value to the customers. If any of you have that, that just innate sense or even more than an innate sense, our program teaches you how to think about it in ways that most of the rest of the landscape just does not. That's not, that's not, I'm not saying that it's we're better, we're superior, we're stronger. I'm simply saying we're different. We think, we teach brand, and we teach you how to think about brand in a different way that we're relatively confident and certain most of the business landscape does not think about okay there's value in that come take a look at us
0: i have to echo that uh, you know i've done the course personally and um it's been it's been revolutionary for my agency and um you know even if you're not in the branding space i think it's a really important exercise to learn how to think uh through the lens of branding and if you're doing anything in business even if you're to ic or, or a sales rep um, the implications of understanding how branding works i think yeah i think that honestly the course is for anyone and um yeah I, I really appreciate your time andy um thank you for being here i certainly would love to, to to do this again it's been a fun conversation and uh thank you for your time i'll see you in the future bye for now